Hey. I mean, music's fun and all that, but we're going to talk about marriage and sex, so that's probably more fun, right? Hallelujah, or oh my, or oh me. Boom. So, I had someone with much better handwriting than me rewrite this, maybe in a more readable way. I understand it's imperfect, but I'm trying something. We're, we're trying a few things. My name is Will. If you're just visiting with us, I'm really glad that you're here. And I honestly believe this. I, I believe it's no accident that you're here. I'm really glad that you're here. I ho- hopefully we'll get your information so we can return the bravery of your visit by, by just reaching out and seeing how we can pray for you, minister to you. If you have questions, you can let us know. If we didn't meet, hopefully we'll meet after the service. Guys, usually we're going through a book of the Bible. Well, we did this crazy thing. We got suggestions. What would you like to hear about? What do we need to investigate? And, and what was written for our direction? What, what can we investigate? We got on this pathway. We talked about uh, creation, the fall of man, the sin, and how that affected men and women. And then in turn, no doubt, because men and women were affected and their relationship, uh, fireworks would happen. And what would happen is marriages would end up falling apart. People would be getting divorced. None of this is what God intended. Uh, so all of that was really feel good. You guys loved it, especially anyone who was divorced. Felt really good about that. And ultimately, what I think I need to tell you is I need to remind you, that's why the board, please understand everything that we're talking about. I'm not up here as an expert, as a person who's done this thing right. I am an equal bearer of that same curse as all the other men. My wife is an equal bearer of that curse as all women. And then it gets even more confused, right? Because, you know, life happens, um, Right? I had a stay-at-home mom I spent a lot of time with. Brandy was raised by her dad, so that gets all weird, right? When, when a major influence on a man is a female and on a woman is male, it, it gets crazy and weird. Right? Um, so I'm no expert, but I've been married, this is just fun to say, more than half my life. It's a fact, right? Okay? So... So some of you guys, you passed that a long time ago, but yeah. Uh, So ultimately, what I want you to remember as we're going through this is what every one of you needs, single, married, divorced, widowed, 12, 112, and everywhere in between, we are dependent on the grace of God, right? His favor, love, and blessing for us that we never earned. And then we're dependent on his mercy that he doesn't give us what we earn and deserve, which is that everyone around us who we love poorly would say, I'm done with you, including God. That's what we deserve. But we don't get that because God has mercy. And we get his forgiveness. He, he takes, when we confess it to him, he takes all the ways which we screwed up. And it says, not only does he like release us from the from, you know, eternal punishment, he'll actually throw it as far as the east is from the west. He'll, he'll forget it because of Jesus. And ultimately, what we get instead of death is life. And not just life after we die, but life now. Okay? So let me pray, and we're going to get into the scripture for today. Lord, I don't want this to be counseling. I don't want this to be uh, my words, Lord, but your words from what you shared with the men and women long time ago that was written in scriptures that passed the test of time in all scrutiny by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us today and lead us. What if we could take a little ground back, Lord? That's my prayer. That Holy Spirit, that you would take a little ground back in marriages, in the community of believers here, and anyone who would hear this voice, if we could make slight changes, gosh, it would be worth it. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we're going to talk about this. Inevitably, some people are in, in this room are married, some are single. Some are single because you guys haven't been married yet. Some of you are, are single because you've been divorced. Okay. Some of you are, are single because you've been widowed. And all those things are at play. So it's easy to feel left out when we begin talking about marriage. Because married is not the only status that any believer would have any follower of Christ. So what we're going to do over the next two weeks, because I don't want to talk about divorce, the curse, without talking about God's intention for marriage, and to challenge every man here who is married to practice these things that we've been commanded and instructed, and every woman to practice these things which we've been commanded and instructed. 
And every single man and single woman would understand the blessing of that and walk in that in a strong way. Okay, so that's going to be two weeks at this point at least. Today, I'm going to pick on the men first. Because, because, you know, women, because the order of the scripture, we picked on you first with the curse. Now with the order of marriage, we're going to pick on the men first. Fair enough? Okay. So I'm going to take you to 1 Corinthians 7, but there's going to be quite a few scriptures. That's, why we, that's one of the reasons why we'll send that, that sermon recap out that Josh is doing for us. You can actually click on my slideshow and you can say, what scripture was that again? Click on the link. You can see which scripture. Look at it for yourself, okay? Not to bully your spouse, but to bully yourself. Fair enough? Okay? We're, we're, we judge ourselves. We show love and compassion for the others. Fair? So men, women... As some good pastor friends of ours have said, don't. You're not the Holy Spirit here to correct your men, okay? They got a Holy Spirit for that. You're an awful Holy Spirit, so am I. So let's just, let's just go with that. But let me start with this. Ephesians 5, so you're going to have to take some notes. I'm, I'm going to use some different versions of the scripture because looking at the translation, I want to give you the best possible source in my opinion. We're going from the NLT on this one. Ephesians 5, 31 through 32, if you're taking notes. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and mother and joins to his wife, and the two are united unto one. This is a great mystery, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. Let's just start with that. Men, single, married, men, women, this is for all of us. One of the, one of the main points of marriage is it, it is a picture of Christ's love for us. Because what God's done for us is he's made a promise. And that word's been hijacked in the way that we use it. When we say promise, that doesn't mean you can always count on it. There's another word, covenant, right, that's used for that. And that's this idea that says, when I, when I told Brandy I would be her husband, that had nothing to do with her at all. That had everything to do with my promise and commitment to her to live up to that standard. Regardless of what she would do, regardless of how good of a job I think she's doing, that's not what my promise is. My promise is because I trust God and because as a man I commit to do this, that's my promise. And that's what God does for us. And I'm very grateful because I have failed in a huge way to be the son that he deserves. However, God's love for me is such that I'm adopted into his family as a son. And everyone who would come to believe women adopted as daughters and, and men adopted as sons. So we have to look at that marriage. One, marriage was instituted by God and it was this picture. Make sense so far? Okay. So you see that it's a, it's a high calling and important thing. Now we'll go kind of back to the beginning. Genesis 2, 18 said this. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. And when he's talking about man here, he's talking about male. Okay, because Eve isn't even here yet. We only have man. There's only Adam. It's not good that this man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. I, I want your help and interaction in this. So I'm asking you not a rhetorical question, but an actual question I'd love answers to. Why is it not good that a man should be alone? Help me out. What do you think? Really practical. Yeah. He's helpless in some ways. Yeah. It's easier with two. These are all great answers. Yeah. He doesn't read roadmaps, right? Yeah, yeah. What were you going to say back there? He'd be in constant trouble. God didn't design us to be alone. Who else? You can't remember anything. Yeah. Yeah, it's, no, this is good. I like Let's, let's talk about it in a practical way. I kind of think about it like this. I was praying about it, and I felt like this question almost like came to mind like, well, what, what does the married man, what does his house look like when his wife is gone for like two weeks, you know? Right? Like that, that just illustrates that. You're like, oh, man, hopefully he's not, yeah? He won't freeze at night, right? He stays warm. Like not all his food is frozen, right? Okay. Pictures on the walls. <laughs> Now, see, okay, we can throw out some stereotypes here, okay? Don't get offended. If you're offended by it, this is really the wrong church for you. I promise you. I'm going to offend you every week till I die. So, 
So, yeah, right? Like, you see that. The, I mean, I think some men do this, but if you're a guy who makes it to, like, 50 and you've never, ever been married, um, not those men's houses probably aren't as beautiful as the man who's, like, 50 who's been married, right? It's not as clean. It's not decorated necessarily the same way. The refrigerator doesn't look the same, right? Like, like you run into... You know, you're watching sports or the worst movies. Your house smells. You've eaten all frozen food for two weeks while your wife is gone, right? You haven't really showered, kept up with yourself, right? This is, that's the stereotype of men. Not every man's like that. Some of you, the wives are like that, and the husbands are as clean as can be. But you can see that, right? Well, well, we can notice that, but the Bible does talk about this in some areas. One of them is a, there's a book called Ecclesiastes. I know the youth, you know, you guys have been talking a little bit about that. Um, so here's what this says, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil, right? Men and women, when we come together, we divide and conquer, right? It's like when you have teenage kids, you're both in a car going different directions, right? Here and there, you do this, you can get more work done than the single mom or the single dad who's trying to run and drop off. I, I've been the soccer coach, I remember. I got to drop them off here, but can you... Make sure I come back before you leave because I've got three kids and four practices, right? So this happens. Two are better than one because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fall, and I love this, one will lift up his fellow. Here's what I'm telling you. If you team up with anyone, whether it's a best friend, a husband, or a wife, you can count on it that that person's going to trip up and fall on their face. Has that been your experience? That's code for they'll let you down or they'll blow it. And what what this wisdom literature is saying here is not kick dirt in their face when they're down, but you pick them up. I knew you would fall, and I'm here to pick you up. But woe to him who's alone, because when he falls, right, it's like that commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. You've got to call somebody because you're all alone, right? But woe to him who's alone when he falls up and has not another to lift them up. Again, if two lie together, right, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Without a heating blanket, right? They didn't have that back then. And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. So you can see that together we protect, we're, we're united front. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. What's the third piece of that? Right, it's like the Holy Spirit and a union of a husband and wife in particular. It's like, a, it's like a braided cord, husband and wife, with the Spirit of God at the center of them, uniting them. We'll keep going. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Let's let that sentence stand alone for a second. Uh, who wrote Corinthians? Paul, right? That's, that's what's commonly understood. Who did he write it to? The church at Corinth. So would these be people who believed in God or, or people who didn't believe in the one true God, Yahweh? The people that believed, right? This is a group of people um, in Corinth where, they, where most of them probably Jews or Gentiles. Most of them were Gentiles, right? They had different pagan beliefs, and a lot of their pagan beliefs were overly sexualized, and, and Corinth itself was an overly sexualized um, culture like ours, right? We use sex to sell chewing gum, right? We, you, you make a movie, you got to add a little nudity. I know it's a kid's soccer movie, but let's show some breasts just to keep the guys interested, right? This is what we do in our culture, and it's not even a joke. It's, it's almost that bad, right? And it works, so he's saying, in light of this, Paul's telling them to Christians, it's good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Verse 2, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, I want you to understand the sexual immorality, immorality word here, that porneia, right, which is the root, is the base word we're translating from. And the idea, it's actually an act of intercourse. So there's a temptation for you to have sexual interaction outside of the confines of marriage, out, outside the confines of, of what was dictated and natural for you, right? So there's that pull for that. But because of the temptation to do that, each man should have his own wife 
and each woman her own husband. Now, you've got a lot of other things. I mean, there's lust, there's, there's temptation of that, but this is talking about the actual temptation to be sexual. You guys with me so far? We're going to keep going from this. Okay. So far, it's good. It would be good for you men because Paul knew he was a man. He understood whether he was married or not is an is a, uh, item of debate. At this time, he wasn't married. Was he married before? Likely, yes, because he was a member of the Sanhedrin and those, one of the requirements, they have to be married. Did his wife die? Did she leave him when he got blind and became a Christian instead of a Pharisee? I, did she leave him before? Did he? I don't know. But you listen to him talk and you're like, yeah, I think the guy gets marriage. He's been in it at some point in time. So he's like, it's good. It'd be better for you if you stayed away from the complications of sexual relationships because it does get complicated. But because of the temptation to sin, it's better that you would find a wife and that wife would find a husband so that we could, do, we could live out our desires and wants in a, in a God-honoring way. We're together? Okay. Have I said something you guys like, you're way off, Will. You're like, that word means shaking hands. No? Okay, good. Okay. Verse 3, the husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. Well, let's, let's just, let's let this be honest here. Um, not every man and woman's the same. Some men are more driven sexually than others, and some women are more than others. But ultimately, it is the responsible, responsibility of the husband to give his wife her conjugal rights, like cre- have a sexual relationship with her, however that looks. Have a physical relationship with her. Whatever she needs so she doesn't fall into temptation with other men or women or animals is what it means, okay? And likewise, the w- wife is there to do that for her husband. For the wife does not have authority. The word authority here is control of use. That's what it means. Control of use over her own body. But the husband does. See, now, now we're getting, it's uncomfortable. Okay, let's, let's, let's not get too far away, okay? Just breathe a second. Okay, wives and husbands. Especially wives. So far, wives, you're going to, husbands will be like hyperventilating here soon, but right now the wives are. Um, grace, right? Mercy, forgiveness, life. So here's a fact, whether you like it or not, there's a great sexual desire present in men and women in this world. And because God gave it to us, as a matter of fact, he gave us nerve endings and stuff so that our interaction with each other was not just for having babies, but that was one of the fruits of it. There was a connection that was given. God said it was good, but he gave us instruction about it. And when we veered away from that, that's where things have gotten messed up. So, I mean, I, and I can say, man, what a bummer, right? What a, what a bummer that it's come to this, but it's been like this for thousands of years, right? So one of the reasons we're coming together is because we have this need, and there's an honorable way to do that. And so we've got to honor the fact, this is where it gets difficult, that wives... There is a control of use over your body with your husband and husbands with your wife. Likewise, the husband doesn't have authority or control of use over his own body, but the wife does. So do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Okay, you guys want to add another layer of complexity with this. It says that Okay, Brandy and I are married. Like I, she has some control of use over my body. So what, what implications are there? I mean, one, they're sexual, but there's a lot of things. Like if I die, if I drive like a madman trying to kill myself with my car, that would affect her and my kids, right? Does, does that apply to, you know, how you take care of yourself, how you eat, exercise? Are we accountable to that? Some people in marriage counseling would say that. It doesn't say exactly. It's clearly saying in the context of our sexual relationship. But, but I, I would assume that, that there's a great deal of that, and that's where, man, I've got to tell you, 
I mean, it doesn't take long. Look at me. You know I failed to do that. I failed to, to you know, give my wife her right authority over my body with some of the things I've do and done. So I really got to grab onto this. Okay, I grab onto this. And then the last step that's not on here is even though I know that I'm not going to get everything perfect and right because of Jesus, and you aren't going to get everything perfect and right because of Jesus, you are righteous and spotless and blameless before God. So you got to start acting like who you are. You've got to take this responsibility and say, I want to put into practice these things. I love the practice word. We've been using that at our house a lot because it's sure helpful because you're going to miss. used to be a baseball player, and baseball is a fun game because if you only hit the ball half the time, you make the Hall of Fame. What if you took that in marriage? Dang, if I did this only half the time. So, right, it says that in your marriage, you can, you can, by agreement, take a break from your physical relationship with the purpose of prayer, which, which I believe means we're working on something with God, right? We're working on something with God. Now, now medical things will happen and stuff, and I think everyone knows that, that intimacy sexually is not just intercourse. There's so many other things that people can do, but, but are they there for one another? Because the world around them will offer that or the idea of that or the facade of that and we are to protect one another it's one of the main reasons why we are married otherwise it'd be better that we were alone the scripture says so our attention wouldn't be divided like try to invite me to dinner good luck i'm not going to be able to go i've got three kids and a wife i am a divided man but the honorable and right thing my priority over you is them And that's right and good by God, right? And it has to be that way because guess what? I would burn with lust if I didn't have a wife. I I don't have that gift right now. Not that there isn't a time, but right now, that would be a foolish thing for me. That'd be no good to you. You wouldn't want to come to my house, right? It would stink. Be disorganized, lots of frozen food. It would be a mess, right? Just, it's a good thing that I have a wife. Now, you've done that. You've come to a place where you've decided, hey, we're going to take a break from that because we're working on something. But he says, but then come together again once that time's over so Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And this is start getting into the single thing, but I want to add this there. Paul goes on to say, 1 Corinthians uh, 7, in verse 6, I guess it's before that, he goes on to say, now as a concession, so he's saying this is, this is his instruction, this is not a command from God. He says, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Is that a little confusing maybe? Still, let, let me throw another verse on top of that. Jesus himself was talking, Matthew nineteen eleven. We were talking about this. They're going on and they're talking about, um, you know, marriage, divorce. Would it be better just not to be married? And Jesus replied, okay, okay, right? He's like, well, maybe we shouldn't get married, Jesus. He said, well, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it's been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by others, and there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. The one who cannot, who can't accept this, should accept this. So what he's saying is the idea of a eunuch, right? The metaphor for that, there was a literal process that happened to these eunuchs. So they would be, you know, demasculized and they wouldn't be sexual males. So they were safe to be free of all the sexual temptation, right? They could be assistants to queens and princesses because there was no longer a biological ability and temptation to carry out sexual activity with them. So what Jesus is saying, that's cool if you don't want to get married, but not everyone can receive that. As a matter of fact, you'd be better to avoid all this sexual headache and the divided, distracted life to serve the kingdom of God. But not everyone can do it. You see, some people were born that way, 
They just didn't have that kind of desire. Others had a surgery to make it happen, right? And then, then there's others who, like, choosing, like, even though I have everything in me that would make me want to have sex, I choose not to. And what Jesus is saying is even in the midst of this crowd, anyone who's hearing my voice, there's people here who'd be like, I'm good. I don't really need that in my life. And Jesus is saying there's no shame. Actually, that's a higher calling. Then the rest of the knuckleheads like Will who are saying, I don't know if I could do that. But he's like, grace, mercy, forgiveness. Understand not everyone can do this. And then Paul, verse 8, says, to the unmarried and the widows, I say it's good for them to remain single as I am. See, so even if you've been married, or if you've never been married, I mean, if you guys have that in you, God might be asking you, I mean, right now he's asking you to be single because of your age. You're learning and growing and trying to get a life going. Some of you might stay that way. Some of you might get married. And and either way is actually God honoring, as long as what he's saying here, I say it's good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. We'll get into singleness later, but some people are, are, I'll use the word called, I think, I'll say asked by God and given the strength to do it, to be single for a time. And and some might be called to be single for a lifetime, or some of you might be being called to be single for the rest of your life now, because what's happened before this, and all those things are so honorable and so great, and you add something to the body of Christ that other people who are distracted don't. Does that make sense? We'll talk more about that later, but let's still pick on the men. Okay, husbands. So here's what we're saying in 1 Corinthians so far. You've got to give your wife her conjugal rights. The husband doesn't have authority, the control of use over his body, but the wife does. So don't deprive her from what she needs. Except for perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Okay, husbands, let's keep going. This is the part you don't like so much. You love that part. Except for when I start talking about how you, your wife should have some authority over your body. We don't like that. Don't tell me three cheeseburgers a day is not okay, right? Don't tell me whatever magical thing they put in the frozen pizza is bad for me, right? Yeah, don't tell me to clean my room or wash my hair or anything, right? Okay. I, I understand this is so much. This can only be walked out in a lifetime together. And I think us men, part of the problem we have is we don't have these honest conversations with one another. We hear this word and then we don't do it. Like my wife has needs and needs these things, but I'm refusing to do what I need to do to be there for her. And so romance, novels, movies with handsome men and all that help her bide her time. Like that's not okay. It's not okay. We, we are called, guys, first to do what's better. Remember, it doesn't matter if she honors that, what she's been required of, commanded of in 1 Corinthians or what Paul suggested in 1 Corinthians 7. You have to. You are the leader. You are the one that steps out in front. Not the boss, the leader, the one who steps out in front and says, I'm not going to dishonor you in in those physical ways. And now Colossians, another letter to Christians. Colossians verse 9, or chapter chapter 3, verse 19, if I could speak. It says, husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Oh, man, I hate this one. Some translations say harsh. I like hiding behind that one. Some men are really mean with their words. They yell a lot. And is it fair to say, Brandy, I'm not, I'm not really like the mean words guy? So you feel good. Like, oh, yeah, don't be harsh. I'm not harsh with her. I'm all nice, baby. Right? But I'm a bitter sucker, man. If my wife is not doing what I want her to do, right? Like over a period of time, you get your feelings hurt. You begin to lose hope and you get embittered towards your wife. Another phrase for that is the hardened heart. And remember what the leading cause of divorce is? 
hardened hearts. When you start letting bitterness come in, we're like trying to climb a pyramid covered with Crisco, okay? So, man, I, I think this is, man, I'm sure you guys, like, giving your wife affection for a lot of you is probably not that hard. It's like you're in the NBA, you just take your pants off. So she's like, hey, baby, oh, yeah. Right? That's not the problem. Now, this is going to be the problem. When she has a headache, are you going to get bitter? Are you going to resent her? Are you going to carry that forward? Are you going to have this undercurrent, this fire in your belly like you could just about explode? Well, how do you know about that? Well, oh, I've been there. I think I was there this week, man. I had to fight through it, right? Pray through it, release. When I want this from God, it's back to like three years old when your mom's like, well, would you want them to do that to you, honey? No, you wouldn't. Like, I want Brandy to treat me with the grace that God has and the mercy that he has and the love and the forgiveness and the life. I better be willing to treat her that same way. But Will, my wife, doesn't give me sex whenever I want. In the Bible, Paul said she has to. We weren't praying, right? Like, she was mad at me. Okay, yes, breathe. Grace, mercy, quick, you know, what are we talking about with our beer bellies here? She doesn't want to see that, okay? We're not doing it either. Grace, mercy, forgiveness. So husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. First Peter, right now we're a different guy. In case you think this is all Paul's vendetta, right? We hear Jesus, we hear Paul, now we hear Peter. Peter writes, First Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you by the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Women, what kind of things do you need to be treated in an understanding way about? Help me out. I'm not a woman. Help me out. Your shoes. <laughs> the weakness for shoes? Like, understand. No, it is true, right? Like, about, seven, about eight of ten outfits for a man, like, your tennis shoes work. Women, not so much, right? But, okay, we talked about the curse, right? Child-rearing, child-bearing. That mysterious period thing, the hormones up and down, the premenopause, menopause, postmenopause, all the other pauses, okay? We don't get that. We don't understand that, the competition, the perfection between women. Under, try to treat your wives in an understanding way. Don't, don't say, it doesn't say understand your wives because good luck with that. Try to treat her in an understanding way by talking to her, right? Brandy and I, just to share, I think we're learning, we're so different that I, I need, this is where I really need to learn is to like celebrate our differences instead of say, aren't you being like me? Fair? And start to say, that's awesome about her. Here, let me, let me tell you this one thing about her. That girl's like perceptive. She's observant and perceptive. She sees things, so she doesn't run her mouth as much as me. And every one of you thinks she probably would run her mouth as much as me to be married, but no, she'll watch and then she'll say, did you notice this and this and that? And I'm like, no. Did you notice there was a bear behind you? No, I didn't. I was too busy talking, right? So that is the difference. So if, if someone's to me like, your wife's being quiet, I should say, I'm really glad because she's, she's observing things that loud mouths like me and you don't, right? Like celebrate, live with her in an understanding way. Sometimes when the bill's wrong, you need to make the call to tell them you overcharged me. That might be your wife's thing. And then it might, it, understanding her might be letting her yell at them. I don't know. Right? Right? There might be ways in which she needs to eat. There might be a place in which she needs to live for her health. There might be, you know, what, how she wants her, your home to be. All these things, even though you don't get it, you live with her in an understanding way. What else, Wim? What am I missing? You afraid? Afraid I'm going to pick on you? Okay. Sometimes I don't need a solution. I just need to talk it out. Anyone else? Yeah, any other women? Like, yeah, right? 
Yeah. But I'm supposed to fix everything the guys say. Women need what? Words. Yeah. Right. But words get me in trouble. And of course, some of you are like, that, that's not me. Well, it might not be, right? I understand that. But in general, whatever it is, is like a husband and his wife, we need to communicate about these things more. Because here's what ultimately I think the failure is. I think for all of these young people um, in, our, in our culture, even in our movies and stuff, like the married couple is not something to be admired. Is that fair to say? It's a joke. It's a joke, right? Like, more excitement, more sexiness is not being married. It's all the other ways in which you can match up with people. It really is. And, I, and, it, and it sounds weird, and this is not God, but this is me. It's like, for a kid who's like, oh, dang, my parents sure love each other a lot. It makes me sick, right? That's actually a good thing, because when they want to be loved like that, they're going to say, yeah, marriage is the way to do that. That was what this was supposed to be. But that's not how it is. And so I apologize to you because I haven't done this right. But I'm telling you, marriage is the way to do it. I believe it. I fight for that all the time. That's why I'm speaking this truth to you. So you show honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. You know, that does have to do with the physicality. Uh, something happens, I think, when the women have babies, they can't open their jar opening muscle. Gets deteriorated. You guys notice that too? So open the jar. Um, you know, all those practical things like that. Uh, our, you know, our memories and stuff. I think the men's memories go first and their jar opening ability goes first. So we got to help each other. We live in that understanding way because we're both heirs to that same grace from the Father. Now, Ephesians, back to something Paul wrote, Ephesians 5, 25 25 through 29. Husbands, love your wives, and this might be the hardest thing, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Men, single men, understand this. When you decide to be a husband, your life shouldn't look the same way it did before you were their husband, okay? Um, and every man's list might be a little different, but there's, there's things that have to give. You have to give yourself up for your wife. So even in some of these things, let's say your wife, okay, she's not physically meeting your needs. You give yourself up for her. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, love, life, Right? And it's easy for me to say that, hard for me to do that. Let's say your wife gets diabetes. That's going to change the food you eat, right? Let's say your wife has a stroke or a heart attack or gets in a car accident. I mean, that's going to change. Let's say you used to play baseball four nights a week. You can't do that, right? Let's say I always go drinking with my boys, right? You can't necessarily keep doing that and be the husband and father you need to be. I'm going to go chase the American dream. There's a reason why you see that people, not, not always, but people who are putting their identity and everything in their career and their achievements, there's often broken marriages on the back end of that, if you see that. And there's a reason why, because they weren't able to give themselves up for their wives, because themselves was too big. Even if they were Christian, even if they went to church, right, they made mistakes because it was impossible to give yourself everything and still have something for them. So there's a lot of times as a husband, and I think men, oh, I'm really struggling with this, brother. Is this a situation where you should just give yourself up for your wife? And then will you please tell me that back when I say that to you? Because Brandy sure needs that. She's been married to me half her life too, more than half her life. Poor girl. She needs... She's going to need a lot of grace and mercy, you know, for, for, for that. Um, and it's easy to say this truth, but I, I think as we're going to keep going on and we'll build on singleness and the women and then husband and wives 
together, I think, I think maybe this can come into picture more. And I, 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 hope, I hope we can uh, practice this and walk this out together in all the communities that you're part of. It's why I would love if you came here on Sunday that someone in your life you meet with during the week that are Christians where you can kind of talk about these things. Because you just don't get it on Sunday morning in an hour. You just don't. Paul goes on to write, right? You give yourself up for your wife. Why? Just like Christ did. Why did Christ give himself up for the church? That he might sanctify her. So likewise, that we might set her apart, right? Like Lola Lois, you guys are going to have a, a big wedding anniversary, man. How, no one's like, oh, no one brings up all the worst times at the, at the 50th or 60th wedding anniversary. Yeah. Oh, man, that lady was a nag. This has been a rough 50 years. That's never what happens. It's always like the best partner of my life or this guy, he can't remember to tie his shoes, right? That's not what happens at that. We, we honor, we're, it's honored in that marriage. So we, we give ourselves up for them so that our wife might shine, right? Like, like Christ gave himself up for us by the washing of the word. And the idea with that is just the truth. Like you're gonna love her, you're gonna stay with her and she knows that. Even if she gets a headache or tired, you're gonna have the grace not to just circle 1 Corinthians 7 and say, baby. <laughs> not gonna blow that up and put it on your bedroom wall, okay? This is not what you're going to do. You're gonna... Give yourself up to her that she might be washed clean and, and set apart. And Jesus did that with his truth, the water of the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, right now he's bringing it back to you, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. And that's easy to excuse. I don't really like myself. Yeah, but you feed yourself. If you didn't, you would have died. I must not even give myself water anymore. I hate myself so much. You will. You'll die. It happens, right? Um, So even if you're insecure or angry at yourself. Ultimately, you are keeping yourself alive by eating and drinking and all that process. So why not keep your marriage alive by giving yourself up for your wife? Why not care for her like she's your... Get her a glass of water, okay? I might need that. Take her out to dinner. She needs to eat, right, at some point in time. Throw out the trash so you don't get an infestation in your house, right? These are things that we need to do. So a couple things. There's so much there, but... I don't want to beat this up in a sermon. I'd rather beat this up in a classroom together at some point. So first one, we were saying you got to meet the physical and sexual needs of your wife. Okay. Do not be embittered towards her. Because, yeah, inevitably, she's not always going to be there physically available to you when you want her. Um, also, she's going to ask you to give up things that you really don't want to give up for the love of her. All those things can cause you to get bitter towards her. She's going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. Especially anyone marry the exact person they thought they were. Did you, the person you marry, were like, this is exactly who I thought they were. I knew it from the beginning. Like, you did? Say that's, what's that? You were friends first. You probably weren't 17, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, you were friends first. So yeah. That's like, that's what my wife, I know that she didn't think I was who I was when we were 17 and we first started getting together. I didn't even become who I was yet. I still had hair then. She lucked out on that one, but some of the other things she didn't get so lucky about. So. But do not be embittered towards her. Be understanding with her. Give yourself up for her. When she falls, pick her up. Keep her warm if she wants you to. Protect her. Love her. So here's, here's how I want to just end this section. We'll, we'll pick up next week. So like I, I, what I would say to you is I don't want you to get too far from this truth, right, men, when you look at yourself. And I know because we talked about, about sexuality, it kind of bring, it brought some finger pointing at men and women both, and this is supposed to be for men. But we really do have to look at this together because we are a team. And so both men and women, don't, 
Don't forget to apply this to yourself, first of all, before we look at this, okay? If you are, if you're a married woman, here's what I'd love you to do. Don't start thinking about how some of those scriptures applied to you necessarily. What I, what I would uh, ask you to do is that you would pray for your husband. That God would bless him and fill him with God's love and goodness. And that God would show him grace, mercy, and forgiveness and give him life. That's it. Can you do that? So when Elliot and them come back up, I'm going to have them play some music just for a little while so we can do this. So women, would you just do that? Okay? Just do that in this time. When you go home, you can look up those scriptures and do that. But right, right then, I just want you to pray. God's, I want you to pray this over them. And if you're not comfortable praying, you can ask for some help. Somebody around you or come see me. We'll do that. Um, men, married men, I challenge you to look at this and put into practice. Like I said, remember, you hit it half the time, Hall of Fame. Start putting into that practice so you're talking to yourself a little bit like, am I giving myself up for my wife? Am I living with her in an understanding way? Am I cherishing her? Am I loving her? And for extra credit, talk to another guy about it. Talk to another guy about it. Is that too much or is that something you can take a bite of and chew on a little bit? Okay. Hey, singles, if you feel like, oh, what you said, it's me, man. I don't, I've, I've talked to some people who are married and, and more of them are women. They're like, man, I really think I have that gift. I probably could have just been single. But they're married, Right? So that's, that's struggle, that's long-suffering, that's giving themselves up for the love of their spouse because they're going to need to be a spouse if they're called to do that right now. And Paul's very clear, you don't, just because you've changed your mind, you don't divorce your spouse, you live that out. Okay. So if you're single and you feel that, man, I got the gift and praise God, what you should be doing with it is not be distracted by the things of this world, but, by, but be consumed with the things of God. Because if he's given that to you, he's calling you for a great purpose. And so some of the greatest purposes are people who pray, right? Who watch, who see, who are undivided. And then others of you might be single because it's a time, right? You're like, I'm 15. I can't get married yet, but I really feel like, as a matter of fact, I already think those girls and guys are kind of cute and I get those butterflies. Okay, honor the time that you have a singleness. We'll talk about that, okay? So we're getting to you. But praise God and embrace the singleness that you have and don't burn with, with lust. Fight against that. Okay, so singles do that. Women, we're going to pray for our husbands this. Men, we're going we're to ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit, give us his strength to do these things we talked about, and then we're going to talk to him about it. We're going to talk to other men about it. And we'll start building on where we're going to go from here. Fair enough? I know it's weird questions. Can you ask a question? Yeah, you can. With me, I'm weird. Okay. Now, men, here's a great place, a great place to kind of meditate on. That was our word before the New Age stole it. Uh, meditate on this. Understand this. This is the definition of love. Turns out hugging them all the time isn't love. I know. I'd be better at that, but this is harder. So 1 Corinthians 13 four through seven, if you put this in a way towards your wife. And as I read that, we'll just have the worship team come on up so we can have that kind of time of prayer. Think about it like this, okay? The love I have for my wife is patient and kind. My love must not envy or boast It's not arrogant, it's not rude, right? It's not embittered towards my wife. Here's the hardest one. My love does not insist on my own way. My love for my wife does not insist on my own way. It's not irritable. 
I wish it wasn't. Anyone else grumpy sometimes? Yeah. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at like paying her back for what she does to me. But it rejoices with the truth. It rejoices my love when I love her like I've promised to. Love, it bears all things. No matter what she does or doesn't do, my love bears all things. It believes all things. I believe that marriage could be good, guys. I believe that we could love each other better. I believe that we could make movements forward, that we could see marriages. I believe it. Do you? Does your love for your wife believe that? It believes all things. It hopes all things. You don't close your heart off. It endures all things. Here, let's pray. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and that you would well up in the hearts of everyone who believes, Lord, as well as just surround us because I know you can do both. And I pray that this would be a time that would matter. Lord, are we building towards something? I know the moment is not transformation. The transformation is walking. But Lord, I come to you and I just ask that all the single people would join us in just praying, man, for marriage, pray for love. Lord, I pray that all the single people could stay away from the sexual temptation, could avoid that, could could lean into the gift of singleness that you've given them. And for those ninjas who just seem to have that gift for life, Raise them up in prayer, Lord. Raise them up in love for you and for the people around them. Lord, I pray for the wives today that you would just give them strength to lift their husbands up in prayer to get your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your love in your life. Just pray that for their husbands today, Lord. I pray that the men, that they would ask you and seek your guidance and power to, to love their wives in an understanding way to be there for the physical needs of their wives, to give themselves up for them, to cherish them, to care for them, to lift them up when they fall, to keep them warm, to protect them, to bear with them through anything and love them through anything, to not keep an account of wrong, but instead just praise their wives, Lord. And Father, I just pray for everyone. I know that we're... We're in a world um, fallen and we're selfish people. And we're not going to get this right every time, but give us the strength to practice these things, to lean in to your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness, your love, your life. Lord, I pray that you'd give us your love and your life in so much abundance that it would overflow on our spouses that it would overflow on our children, it would overflow on our family and our friends. And I pray this, Jesus, because of your power and your victory, we can stand with you. In your name, amen.